Building Men is brought to you by Finish the Race Apparel, ftrapparel.com, the creators of all things Building Men, and by Become Stronger Industries, become-stronger.com, the creators of handmade steel maces, hammers, and other badass equipment. You know, love, passion, expansion. You know, you find that thing that you love, whatever that might be, like it's just going out and experiencing something and finding, uh, just experiencing anything, finding that thing that you love, become passionate about it. You know, you follow that passion and that passion turns into a purpose. And then from there, you expand on it and you keep on expanding on it. You start sharing it. You're listening to the Building Men Podcast with Dennis and Anthony Miralda. Brothers on a mission to help you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Welcome back, everyone, to the Building Men Podcast. As always, I am your host, Dennis Moralda, and today I am joined by a fellow Enlifted brother. I talked about Enlifted program a lot on the Building Men Podcast. So our guest today, I love the 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 intro. I always ask the guests, how do you want me to intro you? Like, what is the what's your tagline? What's your title? And a lot of them are like, well, here's my bio, and they give me four paragraphs of how to introduce them. Our guest today said he is a self-titled bio navigator. He's the first bio navigator that I've ever heard of in the entire world, but that we've had on the podcast. So welcome to the show, Daniel DePau. Nice to see you, my man. Nice to be here, Dennis. And yeah, bio navigator. It's it sounds it sounds interesting to hear somebody else say it because as you said, it's a it's a I'm self-titled, taking that name and integrating yeah, things from my past, being a deep-sea fisherman for close to 10 years, being navigating the, the ocean and then coming straight around and being somebody that works with biology. It's, it's wild to hear somebody else say, say a bio-navigator because it's a self-title. It's like, it can feel a little bit weird saying it, when you hear somebody else say it, it's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes sense to me. It made me think of, I'm a big Marvel fan. It made me think of Infinity War when uh, uh, Iron Man and Spider-Man and Doctor Strange are all, they're all heading towards Thanos' home base. And yeah. Spider-Man introduces himself to Doctor Strange. And he goes, hi, I'm Peter Parker. And Doctor Strange goes, well, my name is Doctor Strange. He goes, oh, we're using our superhero names. Then I'm Spider-Man. And then they're talking about, wait, we have an Ant-Man now too. So I love that like a bio navigator sounds like a superhero type name. And I love the, the self titled piece of it. Here's the other thing that I think about too. I read a book called the alter ego effect and they get into this idea of like the, the person that you want to be, it's almost this, this way of you have to believe that you are that person before you can step into the role of that person. So this bio navigator, is that, is, is it like your superhero identity? Is this like you are, you put on like this bio navigator cape and you're like, okay, this is me now. This is, this is where I'm going to be. Yeah. Yeah. So it's exactly like that. Um, when you, when you mentioned Marvel, I'm like, yes, another tick off the box. That's why I, like, I love Dennis Marvel. It's so many, so many things. Um, uh, yeah, so I, I, I resonate with the superhero term. Um, so yeah, the identity, the identity piece is, you know, you have to create that identity first and become the identity. And the, 
you'll start attracting those things that's related to that identity. So yeah, I've, that's that's me putting on my my superhero suit in a sense, and you know, transitioning from father, from uh, coach, from fisherman, from husband. You know, bio navigator is is kind of the is I'll take a kinda is the the identity that encompasses all of those things. It was like the the term bio navigator is just navigating your biology through life and so just holding that title or laying myself in that way that allows me to take all these different titles these different hats and combine it into one and all of those have their own powers you know as a husband as a father as a coach as a, a fisherman there's so many different experiences that i've learned along the the journey um and it's just accumulating those all into one being so as you're sitting around the the table with the other superheroes and you're looking at thor and you're looking at captain america and they're like all right what do you do what's your superhero you're basically integrating all of your experiences into this one place that will help you help other people become better mm, yeah so that that's the, that's being part of the journey is integrating so many different modalities um from rope flow, from TRE, trauma release exercise, um, in lifted, utilizing language, and uh, just navigating in itself, having that kind of mindset of being able to navigate and utilizing these different tools to help those other superheroes wherever their shadow is, wherever they're holding attention, wherever they, they aren't connecting to the flow of life. Every single one of them have their, their kryptonite. And, you know, being a bio-navigator and taking your own, my own experiences, um, navigating my own biology and like, okay, where can I help this person? Looking at it from a, a holistic standpoint. I mentioned when we start, I don't script anything. We, I, we, we go with the flow. So you mentioned kryptonite. So I would love to know, based on your experience through your journey, and we'll get into your journey, we'll unpack it a little bit more. What would you say was your kryptonite or currently is your kryptonite? Um, but that is a good question. My kryptonite would be as somebody that loves information, that loves to research and loves the human body. I find myself distracted, um, accumulating more information that I need before I take action. So there's a term of um, paralysis by analysis. So with being able to find and connect the dots and navigate information and connect the different dots and um, and combine it into my own my own thing. I found that the need for more information is has has on the journey a hindrance in in taking action. So that that right there is my kryptonite. And recognizing that is is a superpower, and it's right. You know, and that's that's a superpower that I've learned from other superheroes mentors and coaches along the way. I, I resonate with that because over the last two years, as I've been on my own self-discovery journey, I have, I've read hundred plus books, probably 200 books over the last two years. And it's been, it's been for me, I'm so interested in other people's perspectives and how do I make that fit into my own schema in my mind? But anything that contradicts something that I've read, I'm like, wait a second, I heard this from this person. I heard this from this person. They don't drive. I need to make sense of this right now. And then I sit with it for a while trying to figure it out. So I, I totally understand 
where you're coming from with that, the paralysis by analysis. So if there was a, um, a book or two or a, a speaker or two that you've really taken their ideas and their perspective and made it fit into your own, who would those people be? Mm, um, top of my head. You know, there's a really good book that, uh, that I really enjoyed was when I did Training Camp for the Soul. And I, I, if I recall, your brother had gone through, through that program. Yes, he did. Um, it was a book by his full name, Singer, um, and it was the, the Untethered Soul. And, and to really connect to that book and see life through a different perspective, a little bit of a zoomed out perspective. You know, we can get so attached to our identity or the ego of like Daniel or Dennis and just zooming out just a little bit more and, and seeing life through a, a spiritual lens or seeing as just the experience being a spiritual being and having a human experience. So that would be my, my, my one, the one book that's really helped me take a, a different perspective because we can really get stuck in the ego or stuck in the identity of everything that's happening now. And when we can zoom out just a little bit, we can just take a breath and be like, well, it's just the flow of life that's happening. And I love the, the idea of, of shifting your perspective. For me, I felt that I had been an expert in communication from my experience in education for many years. I thought I know everything I need to know about nonverbal, paraverbal, and that verbal communication with other people based on that experience. But I recognize I didn't know shit about shit when I started and lifted. And it, it was a, a game changer for me. And I remember the moment that I heard about it. And I, you know, at first I'm interviewing all these different and lifted coaches, Chase Tollison and Angelo Cisco, And then I meet Mark England and Kim Kesting and Adam Chin. And, and I felt there's something here. I need to explore this on a deeper level. Do you remember that that moment when you when you heard of and lifted, or when you thought, okay, this is something a little bit different, and this is something that I need to explore on a deeper level? Yeah, hundred percent. So with with it lifted, it's it's funny because I heard of and lifted quite a while uh, a while ago before before the program started up. I had gone through uh, the strong coach program. So going through the strong coach program. Um, there was a, a, some lifted uh, aspects of it, or at least pro-cabulary uh, uh, aspects of it. But even for that, my, my sister was a CrossFit coach as well, and she had heard of uh, ProCab through um, the Barbell Shrug uh, podcast uh, back in the day when uh, Mike Pletzer was still doing that. And then from there, she had the program, and then I mentioned to her, have you ever heard of ProCab? And she's like, oh, yeah, yes, login details. And I started going through it already then, then going through strong coach, hearing about it, um, uh, pro cab, and then from there, the training camp for the soul. After that, there was lockdowns, and then only uh, in lifted was the last program that I'd gone through. So those previously, I know those three used to be integrated. Now they they're their own separate thing. Um, so yeah, that was when I first heard of uh, in lifted, and just knowing the power of language and. Uh, the words we use it's yeah it's it's very interesting to see how i've avoided it not avoided it but um only really found it at the end where that looking reflecting back if i had done and left it first i think there would have been a lot of hurdles right. uh <laughs> i would have uh, missed 
Absolutely. And you mentioned that that's the trifecta right there, right? Training camp for the soul, strong coaching and lifted. And those of you that are listening want to go back. Um, we've interviewed Mike Bledsoe. We've interviewed Anat Perry and Chris Marhefka from Training Camp for the Soul. And then a lot of the enlifted folks as well. And I love what you said there too, like the, the order in which you do it and the language that we use. We used to hear growing up, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names will never hurt you. And that was always something that I remember hearing it in elementary and in middle school but here's the thing it's not so much the words that other people are saying that hurt us it's the words that we're saying to ourselves that hurt us more than anything else and i know for me that was without a doubt the case for so many years in my life and to to shift into just the experience of meeting you was in i want to say it was in the october time frame where i joined in lifted level one and again going in understanding that a lot of the people that we that i had spoken to they were, they had leveled themselves up through this program. So I'm all about self-discovery and understanding more about the way that I speak to myself. So I said, I'm going to give it a shot. And you were in my group. We were group one. Um, it was like section 19, level one, group 19. And it was a really awesome experience going through that. And what it was, Daniel was like a team that wins the state championship and you go through the ups and downs and those battles, or you go through some type of traumatic event with other individuals. You have this bond with those people because you've gone through the shit together and you know Mm. what people sacrifice and you know what people went through and all the blood, sweat and tears that went into it. And that's how I feel about you because I saw you go through that difficult time, like really exposing the shit that was going on in your head. And you, you saw me do the same thing. There were times that we were on a zoom meeting and I'm talking about this story that I had in my head from back 30 years ago. And I was choked up and I'm getting emotional and there's tears streaming down my face as I'm talking about this, but I, I was able to do it and you were there as a support. And so I just want to recognize you for going through that experience because it's one of those things like you've gone to the, you've gone through the battles with the people and you really come out on the other side, like having this deep level of respect for that individual. Yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing to see like how, you know, going through a program and this is online. So when, when people think of like programs and stuff, it's, it's amazing to have these kind of experiences with somebody else and you're in Cape Town, South Africa, and you out there in the States and there's a connection that can happen when going through a container like that, where you are able to be vulnerable, like as another man, like talking about these deep stories or these experiences that you go through and having somebody hold space and like sitting there and hearing you go through it, it's, it creates connection. That's where real connection between people when we can have these conversations and then we can see that, you know, we, are, we can relate on such a deeper level of, you know, you've gone through, I've gone through an experience and there's a relation now so that you can see there's similarities and be like, well, we've connected on this. What else can we connect on? You know, you can forget about the other things. Um, so like, I appreciate you saying, and I also appreciate you holding space for, for me as I was going through that process as well, going through, uh, you know, the, the group 19 with all our other brothers and sisters, like <laughs> in that, in that container is, is amazing and these connections they they carry on like they still that i still message you know when you see something on online and you see somebody doing something like you know you you give them that little heads up or like thumbs up or like yep. you know you comment on it and you're supporting each other and it's like this growing community online where you your vibe attracts your tribe 
And this is something that I've found with connecting online and, and using social media in such a way to, to find other people with the, the same, same kind of values, the same kind of mindset, the same kind of goals. And, you know, that becomes your, your tribe in essence. And you had mentioned that you're joining from South Africa. So we had people from all over the world that were a part of that group. And there were I don't know, 15, 20 people that were part of that group, but we were joining from seven different time zones during the course of our experience together. So I'd love to unpack a little bit about your experience growing up there. You had mentioned that um, with the, the self-titled bio-navigator experience that you had, you meant the first thing you said was that you used to be a deep sea fisherman. So I'd love for you to take us a little bit back in time on your journey through school. And how did you get from what you were doing in school? What was the thing that you were like, I want to go and explore and navigate and, and get out into the ocean? Like, what, Talk to us a little bit about that journey. So a little bit about that journey is like back in school, I had no idea what I wanted to be. Like I was going through school, I was just skimming by. School was was not my strong point. Um, I know you were in the in the schooling in the in the you were a principal for for quite a while, and um, you know school, I didn't fit in school, and I didn't want to fit in school. So my way of of getting through that was to completely dissociate from it or just ignore it, and you know. Um, my father saw that and then I had a year break straight after high school, didn't know what I wanted to study. And uh, I started working like just a, like a slacker, slacker kind of jobs. Like, <laughs> not, let's take that out. Um, like pizza delivery, like, you know, those first kind of jobs that you do like pizza delivery, using the car. Um, I was a barman at a strip club for, for a little while, um, as well. That was interesting. Got to experience that. And male, then, male or female. Um, female okay. <laughs> uh, there's some more to that story uh, strip club <laughs> and among other things um <laughs> and then from there uh my father's like you're going to see you're going to go come work in the, the family business i was uh 20 years old um and yeah I, jo- I joined the family business got straight into it um straight on the deck and, and i worked my way up like you know, having a, my father as the, the skipper, as the owner of the boat, I came in with a little bit of a entitlement, you know, like that's my dad's boat and I'm going to do whatever I want. Um, but my, as soon as that, that boat uh, threw loose and all out at sea, I was, I was on my own in a sense. Like I was one of the crew. I was down at the bottom. Like the crew didn't give me any, any like leeway. They, they treated me like I was a real greenhorn, like um, I had to work my way up. And, and that's when I really fell in love with, with fitness was, was out at sea was the only way that I could prove myself to the crew was I had to work harder than them. I had to start building muscle. I had to get stronger. And I knew how to do that because I always had a fascination with, uh, with bodybuilding or at least some kind of fitness. My father used to bring me a stack of men's health magazines, you know, from his season out at sea for like, six, seven months, you'll just have a stack of, of men's health magazines. And I just skimmed through them in my teens, like reading all these things and learning a whole lot of things and started applying it when I was at sea and then working my way up um, for close to, to 10 years, nine years, becoming the mate on the boat and then uh, finally getting my skippers, um, but working alongside my father. It's interesting. I equate that to your father being your coach on a, on a sports team where it goes one of two ways. The father is either like, my kid is going to play shortstop 
bat third in the lineup and be, you know, the pitcher every fourth day because he's my kid and that's the way it's going to go. The other way is the way that I was growing up and it sounds like the way you were, where, listen, you're on the bottom of the barrel. You have to work one and a half times harder than everybody else because you're my kid. And there's going to be no level of people thinking that it's a nepotism type thing where that's why you're doing what you're doing. So it sounds like that was it for you. You're on the bottom of the barrel and you have to work your ass off to get to that point. So with your, did you, did you have to call him skipper on the boat or was he dad? Like, how did you, how did you handle that? Yeah. So it's very, it's casual. Like I'd say working on on the, um, yeah, it's being my dad. I'd call him dad. Or, you know, if, if you would answer faster to skipper when there was a a bit of an urgent uh, matter, you know, he would, he would answer. Um, So it was more, was that you're still my dad. Uh, There's no, no doubt about it doubt about it like he was he wasn't like terribly mean or anything to me on the boat or anything it was more just like i knew that i had to to work my my way up or at least gain the respect of the crew because i i grew up very privileged compared to a lot of the crew pretty much to all the other crew you know um a lot of them that worked on the boat they they come from rough areas and then here's this this uh this kid from the from the suburbs you know that's <laughs> that uh you know, grew up a, a lot more privileged. I had to gain their respect, and the only way that I, I knew how or that I learned how was just through through hard work and craft. So I want to go back to education before I pick back up um, on the on the boat. And you had mentioned school wasn't for you; it wasn't something that you were good at that you really cared about. I'm fascinated with. I, I hear that story so many times with the people that I interview that school wasn't for them. And school is a game and people that listen know my feelings around education and you either know how to play the game or you don't even care to know how to play the game. And so you can go through schooling and, and get, you know, A's and B's and kind of go along with the system and do what you're told to do, fall in line, or you can buck the system a little bit, people that don't feel like they belong there. So you had mentioned that school wasn't for you. I'm wondering what, what did you need in school? What would have been a class or, or a, um, some content that would have helped you where you are right now in your life. If you go back and rewrite some of the shit when you were in high school, what's something that you, you really needed to hear during that time that you didn't? Um, I'd say that, you know, school's not, shouldn't be something that is goal oriented. You know, you, you want to try and get that mark that, you know, that a it's, I feel it should be more along the lines of like progress driven. So like the process, the progress of learning how to learn and cultivating your own interests um, along those lines. Um, you know, uh, my wife is a Montessori teacher. So learning a little bit of, of Montessori and, and the Montessori method of how you teach like a young child, you know, to cultivate their own interests and the way that they learn and then seeing, like reflecting back and looking how I went through school and how, you know, you get put in a classroom and it's like the same blueprint or, or template that everybody must go through, thinking that every single child is the same. It's, it's, not, it's not necessarily um, made for real growth. And, and it's interesting too, Daniel, because you probably learned more on, on that deep sea fishing boat than you did in your experience in education. I mean, there were, there were these life lessons that you learned during that time that you might not have realized at the time that you were learning those life lessons, but you were going through this experiential journey and learning little things along the way. If you could go back and pick out one or two lessons that you learned when you were, you know, a part of that 
um, deep sea fishing experience, what would, what would a life lesson or two be? Hard work, hard work, you know, really like working hard physically, you know, what, what you can do to push yourself physically, um, the, and mentally what you can do. Like there's, there's times where we worked close to 48 hours, you know, like we catch fish when it was like days of where the fish are just biting and you fill up the boat in like two days, steam to the, uh, to the shore side, get everything ready. The guys on the shore side would get everything ready, offload. Um, on that same day when we get there, 24 hours to, to get offload, get back on the boat, um, set up the net, go catch live baits, and then get to the fishing grounds. And it would be like a period of like close to two days where you wouldn't sleep. And you just know like it's just something that you would have to do. And, you know, the resilience that you build in that, you know, to work hard, put your head down and just get what needs, uh, needs to be done. Um, that's something that I learned from my father. Like it's, it's, that's, that's a life lesson that, I, that I've learned. Building men of character, integrity, strength, compassion, and empathy through transformational mentoring, coaching, and motivational speaking is our mission here at Building Men. To work with me as a one-on-one -on -one life coach, you can find information in the show notes or you can visit our website at buildingmen.io where you can book a free 30-minute discovery call to help you become the strongest version of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally, and physically. Now, back to the show. It's interesting you mentioned that as I'm um, working with parents of young men, uh, I often consider the idea of when they're like, well, how do I go about teaching them these life lessons? And in those moments, was your father the type of guy that would say, Hey, Daniel, this is, this is what we're going to do today. And this is why we're going to do it. We have 48 hours of suck that we're going to go through. We got to sack up and go through this shit that we're going to go through. And here's why, because it's building up resilience and we are going to, we, we will make as much money in these 48 hours as some people will make in 48 days. So did he speak to you about those things or did he just do them and you watched him do those things and you learned from him doing? I'd say there was a bit of both. Um, more on the reflection side, did I, do I really understand that now? Um, but there was like these little tidbits of my father would say, you know, like the fish is not going to wait for anybody. If the fish is biting, you got to see and you go, you go catch the fish. Like the fish is not going to wait for you. And it's the same as those opportunities, you know, those opportunities are there. Take action and, and, and go for them. Now, so in hindsight, I know that there's this paralysis by analysis that I spoke of previously. Um, but the more that I have found safety in myself, the more that I've taken these tools that I've learned how to navigate life, the more that I'm taking action on these things. I love that. And it's interesting. I'm, I'm wondering now that you are a father yourself. Is that something, is it going to be a conversation that you're going to have with your son about these life lessons? Or are you going to let him watch you and then say, hey, kid, do you have any questions about what's going on right now? And again, I'll say a bit of both. Like yeah. uh, at the same time, I understand that a, a child will learn by observation. You know, that's where schooling, like they think that you need to take information and drill it into a child's head. But a child will learn by observation. Uh, like Maria Montessori talks of this in her books, where just by observation, a child will learn by, by learning, by seeing and being around a nervous system. 
that is calm and grounded and strong, a child's nervous system, just by the, the fact of a using term called co-regulation, he his nervous system, her nervous system will learn to be calm and grounded. So just by observation or just by even being around um, around somebody that he's pursuing, it's a, it's a term like, you know, you become the five people you hang out with. Yeah. So putting yourself in, in groups or in networks or going through a program in a container or like in Lifted, you know, or you, you put yourself in, in, that, um, in that environment and you will adapt. A child is exactly the same. We have an inner child and we're constantly adapting all the time. And that's what, that's what I believe we need in this, in this day and age and utilizing the internet is, you know, you put yourself in these containers with, with people that have the same values, beliefs, uh, and, and kind of striving the same, same goals. You will, you will only like naturally have to adapt to rise up to their level. So all, all ships, um, the term of just completely going to blow it now <laughs> is the tide raises all ships. You know, to, you, you have to go find that tide and all the ships are going to raise with it. I love the analogies with the, with the deep sea fishing vessels, the, you know, you have to go where the fish are. You have to follow the opportunity. The tide raises for all ships. I think about too, that concept. I would hear this. You'd hear parents say, do as I say, not as I do, which is such bullshit. Um, what I think it is, is, and I'm coming up with this as I'm saying it, basically it's do as you see me do ask questions about what I do, like be inquisitive about what I do. And then we're going to have conversations about what I do. Like you really want your kids to learn. It's not just about what you're telling them. They need to observe you doing these things. And then you have to encourage them to ask you questions along that journey for them to learn. They have to see something going on, understand there's something there that I want to learn about. And if they're not asking them, do you have any questions about this right now? Or here's why I'm doing this. This is why I'm doing this in this specific way. This is how it could potentially help you in your own future. So it's not you standing on a soapbox lecturing the kid. It's them seeing you. And especially if they can get their hands dirty and do what you're doing with you and, and fail and learn and fail and learn. And then all of a sudden they built up enough of those reps to be able to do it in the correct way. I think that's where the magic happens. So we're, we're back on the boat. Now you said you're, you're reading the men's health magazines, you're starting to recognize that your physical fitness will benefit you in this life that you're living. When do you take the step off the boat and start doing what you're doing right now? Talk us through that journey. Um, so I'll go back to, 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 to 2017. So I've already been working out, working on the boat for a good couple of years. Um, I've got my skippers, my high seas. I am soon to so I'm, I'm in line to inherit the boat and take over the family business and become the captain of the boat. Um, 2017, I wake one morning in Feb, I wake up, something feels a bit off. I go to the toilet in the mornings. Um, I look myself in the mirror and I notice that the left side of my face is uh, paralyzed or semi-paralyzed. And when I, I thought something was up, I initially thought I had a stroke in my sleep. So I go ask my father to check looks at me he sees that yes that the left side of my face is progressively getting more and more numb and, and paralyzed and phone the doctor um, and she confirms she says that I have what's called Bowles palsy so Bowles palsy is can be 101 different things that can that can bring it on one of the main ones being stress 
that was my first like uh, introduction into stress and what stress can do unconsciously can can do to you like uh, to the body what what's what the body experiences um it was about a year or two after that i had gotten married or was about to get married and i felt the stress that i picked up from from fishing or from knowing that i was going to inherit something or go into the family business where i didn't feel like i was in a line in alignment it didn't i could see the my life playing out you know looking at my father's life seeing what he had experienced what he would had gone through being a skipper being a, a boat owner um like there was a lot of stress that came of the stories that i was telling myself about that situation about what what i was going to experience i could see it playing out um and that's when i took the made the the jump or the the choice to leave uh, the boat having that conversation with my father to this to this day is has been one of the hardest things I, I had ever worked myself up to do you know to to be a son that you know my father was grooming me to to take over the family business um the boat that we had built you know was was for me to take over my sister was going to work the the shore side the paperwork you know all the that admin stuff and yeah i had to go and make that choice for my life and for my future family which i wanted to build and build up this um this courage to my father in his eyes and and tell him that it's not what i want it's not what i want and and i burst out crying like at, at 27 years old 28 yeah. years old i burst out crying in front of him like not knowing how to to like to look in his face and almost feel like a somewhat of a, a disappointment how did he take it so my my father is stoic in that way where he i know he suppressed a lot of his own emotions and, and didn't know how to communicate them um but i know i know he took it hard i know our relationship between us after that had had changed and communication between us changed and uh, i still feel hurt about it now but understanding the person that he was and how he grew up and how he was with his father and you know the information that he had access to back in the day understanding his emotional intelligence or or, or communication and understand that he had many different ways the way that he expressed himself for our parents our fathers in particular i feel like they do the best they can with what they have and the way that they were raised the the way that they dealt with emotions and their own experiences that's what they're bringing to the table and especially if if there's a a level of hurt or sadness a lot of times it comes out in in negative ways in men in particular i know from my own father you wanted me to take over his business. He was a blue collar worker and I would work with him in during the summer when I was done with school or even when I was in my education program in college. There was still a thought that I was going to take over his business and when I had that conversation with him that that, that was not in my future. I do feel like there was a level of um hurt and resentment and I remember him telling me uh when I was going to be a teacher he said you're going to teachers at the time when I started were making $37,000 a year. He said, you're going, you want a family, you're going to live under the poverty line. That's where, that's where you're going to be. He said, if you take over my business, you will make six figures in your first year. 
And I said, that's not for me though. That's not what I want to do. Um, like looking back, I know that he wanted, it was him saying, I, I want to, I want you to be a part of what I'm building and I want to be close to you. And I know that this will be good for our relationship, but that's not how he took it. Recognizing that now I want to go back and give that guy a hug and say, listen, you know, I, I understand that must be really challenging for you based on your relationship with your own father. And so I think about now for you and for your, your child. And I know for me and my son, if, if he's going in direction where like I see him going and all of a sudden he goes off the beaten path, I want to tell him, listen, I'm here for whatever you want to do. Like work your ass off in whatever direction you're going to go and follow your passion, follow your, follow your opportunities to bring your passion with you and whatever you're doing, but I'm here to support you. And if it's not in the direction that I think this is your life, this is your life to do as you choose. And I'm here to support you. So if your, your son has that conversation, it, you have a son, right? Is it a son? Yes, it's a son. You, yeah. you, so your son has that conversation with you in many years. How do you, what, what's your conversation like with him when, when he's in the first, at first he's like, I'm going to do TRE. I'm going to coach people. I'm going to be in the physical fitness world. And then he's like, you know what? I'm going to play piano. That's what I want to do. What's your conversation like with your son? So like to, to reflect back on, on, uh, on the family business, you know, I understand it now. Like, like you, like you, like you said with, you know, the, being a father, you, you only want the best for, for your child. Um, and the foundation that my father has built for, for his family is still there. Like we still have the, the fishing vessel. We still have the, have the boat. So I still now uh, on the off season or it's the off season. Like I go to the boat and I make sure things are done, but it's in the morning and I'm doing it my way where the way as my father was completely immersed in it. And, you know, the way that he did was his way. Now that me, my sister, my brother, we've taken over, um, just to to interject there, it would be that my father passed away almost literally a year ago. So in that time period, you know, we've got a, a skipper, you know, we've got we've got the we've got everything that's working on the boat. Now us coming along and doing the things that are our way, more um, in align with our life, it's it's working. So it's there on the side. So I appreciate my father on that side. And then going back to, to my son, like support him 100% in what he wants to do. And in his growth, you know, again, going back to like the Montessori and cultivating that gift a child is coming into the world with, you know, and allowing him to grow and learn by guiding, you know, just being a guiding hand every, every now and then. Okay, that's dangerous. This is what dad's experience with that. You know, like it's that's where where the safety I, I imagine or the safety comes in being a father, a grounded father, and seeing that, creating that safety, that safety net for you know the child is going to fall. Like it's just that the guiding hand, just to just watch the step there. I love that. It's a powerful answer. And as you're talking, I mean, my my mind goes in a million different directions. Sometimes it's it's laser focused in on what on you know something really important, and other times it goes in the direction of like the monkey winding up playing the, you know, the, the tambourines or the, the symbols. <laughs> like that's what happens in my mind sometimes. So you, you said skipper a couple of times and I went to Gilligan's Island. I haven't really heard someone say skipper in a while. So is there a ceremonial moment when you become like a skipper? Is there like a thing that happens? Is it like the, the, the special hat is passed from father to son when you become the skipper? What's that like? So with that, I'd say I, I've never really experienced being 
the full-blown skipper on the boat. So my father was always there. So I went to go do the studying. I went to go get the mate's ticket. I went to go get the, the skipper's ticket, the high seas command, meaning like, you know, I can go past that 200 mile going into the deep sea. Um, my father was always the skipper. Like he was always the captain sitting in the seat, you know, with all of his accumulated experience of the years of fishing, you know, I never got to really sit there and take the boat out by myself. And that's where also me leaving the boat was that we we butt heads a lot because we are very much similar in that way. We we are like three days, a couple of days apart. Um, he's 15 December, I'm the 21st of December. So we, we're very much the same in that way. And we butt heads continuously all the time. Like, okay, if I'm the skipper on paper, but you're the skipper sitting in the seat, who's who's the, right. the, the boss? Who's the, who's the captain of this boat? So it was this constant back and forth between us. Um, until I was like, well, I, I can't do this and I can walk away. So there wasn't really a, a chance that I got to take the boat out by myself and really be the skipper. Even though the crew would call me skipper, you know, on the shore side or at uh, what's it, on the when we were out at sea, like they had that that kind of respect. They knew right. that I was a skipper, but you know, my father was always there. And now you're you're the skipper of a different ship on land doing what you're doing right now. And mm. um, I appreciate you sharing that story. I know the, the father-son experience is, it's one that a lot of us men, a lot of the men that are, that are listening have never truly healed that relationship, especially if there's something traumatic in the past, but hopefully we can take those things and it can help us be better fathers to our children. And we don't pass along that ancestral trauma that we, we do our best to heal it, understanding that we're doing the best we can with what we have as well. And we want what's best for our children, especially our sons. Real quick too, is, was there any life or death experiences that you encountered? I think of the deadliest catch and you know what they were doing in like the, the Baltic Sea or wherever they were. Were there any like really, were there moments where you like your life was in danger when you were out at sea? Um, not my life um, exactly, but uh, I had an uncle that, that worked on the boat with us. And this was one late, very late evening. Um, we, were doing, we were catching live baits. So the whole process of setting up the net and there's ropes on the deck um, and you catch live bait in the middle of the night. So, um, you know, all the lights are switched off. So the live bait comes to the surface, you know, on the ocean. Um, my father's in the wheelhouse. He's got the sonar on. Um, everybody's in their ready spots to shoot the net. So that's what we would call like shooting, like running the net out of the net box, you know, doing a big circle around a ball of bait that the sonar can pick up. And my uncle stands on one particular part of the boat where he's got a coil of rope. And in the darkness, he didn't realize that he was standing in a bite. Oh, shit. So I'm standing on the opposite, on the other end, close to the, uh, the back of the boat. And normally we will communicate to each other. And as the boats, we, my father says, like, he will shout, like, you know, hoy or throw the net. So that's Afrikaans word for throw. <laughs> um, so they throw the net and we're busy steaming around in a circle. You know, my father will pick up speed on the boat and it's busy going. So now you have to understand this net is, is huge. There's a lot of weight. There's a lot of drag of the water and stuff. And in, in this darkness, I just hear this screaming, shouting. And I'm like, what's going on? Whoa, whoa, whoa. And my, I just hear my uncle, Daniel, Daniel, shouting to me. And I like, put my head down on and I see that he's hanging on the side. Like, first of all, my father pulls. You can hear my father um, slap, the, 
take the, the speed off the boat. The boat slows down. He puts on the lights. And I just see that my uncle is holding on to one of the light poles. That's where, where this coil is. And he's hanging the side of the, the boat. And he's got this rope wrapped around his leg. And it's slowly but surely like shifting lower and lower onto his calf muscle. And he's like hanging on the side of the boat with his leg extended out. And he calls me because he knows I've always got the knife like attached to me somewhere. And I'm just there like trying to cut the, cut the rope. And all of a sudden, like I see the bite going smaller and it's his leg is stretching out and I just see his boot uh, drop off into the water. And like in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, is there a foot in that boot? Oh. <laughs> and like, I finally get the rope cut and I was like, okay, there his, his, uh, his oil skin like shifts up. Okay, there's his foot. It was just the boot. But um, in that moment, it's like, it's adrenaline's going. You're just like, right. why is my knife not sharp enough? Like it should be sharper. Like <laughs> I made my knife was sharp all the time, but he, him knowing that I always had my knife, that was the first person he called. So I literally had to cut that, that rope. Finally got him back on the boat. Like he went inside, um, took it a little bit of time and he came back out and we, we set up the net and we threw again. And, and he still said to me afterwards, um, He's like, he knew if he stayed inside, the shock would have, would have like set in. And like, so he came back out and that's just, again, it's like that mindset of, of a fisherman. You do what needs to be done. And like, I still remember that like now just thinking about like uh, my uncle Rodney. Um, yeah. It's to think that somebody could just experience that and come back and then right. you know, splice, splice, splice the rope and then set back up and then you just go again. I felt like I was watching that in a movie somewhere. I, I like I, I could visually picture everything that you were saying, and that was your a superhero moment for you. Like you, you could have potentially saved his life in that moment. And credit to him for getting back on the horse. You know, there are times that something happens in life, and we were derailed, or we experience some level of of pain and suffering, and the fear can build up really quickly. So having that, the wherewithal to say, whatever this just happened, I need to get back on quickly because if I don't, the story that I tell myself is I won't be able to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a wild story. Um, so Daniel, I, I like to, uh, to first give the, the guests an opportunity to share where we can find, where we can find them before I ask my last question. So tell us what you're doing right now and where we can find you. So I'm currently going through um, doing teaching TRE um, online to men and also doing pro bono work, um, uh, volunteering work at a uh, academy called the Chrysalis Academy here in Cape Town, where they have over 200 young men from um, different uh, areas in Cape Town. But these are, are rough areas, you know, where there's a lot of crime, there's there's a lot of trauma that is experienced in these um, more poverty uh, like uh, riddled areas. And I'm taking these, uh, these, well, my particular group is our 24 men, uh, young men and taking them through the TRE process, which is the trauma release exercise, allowing them to, you know, downregulate and trimmer and experience what the body can naturally do to do the effects of trauma, the tension that is held in the body. Um, and on top of that, yeah, they can find me at, yeah, to go back to the, the chrysalis, it was, it's been quite a, a very interesting and fulfilling experience to, to do, to go through that. So just to speak about the first session that I went through, through with this, this group of 24, taking them through the TRE process and seeing their eyes like, 
wide-eyed what they're experiencing this this tremoring which is not necessarily controlled by them but it's just the body doing this this natural tremoring that it wants to do and like just reassuring and giving them a smile be like the body's weird eh? like what it can do um and then afterwards when they were sharing from when they first came in to after the session and how they were sharing around in the circle like how calm they feel how much more like present they feel in the moment you know all the stress that they were feeling previously and as they were sharing i was looking at all their faces like a lot of them being covered what you would say like uh cape malay or colored um it from from cape Town, from uh, from south africa and i had this like wave of emotion thinking of my my own father um, you know, all the young boys and young men that he took to see back in the day that were still working that I, that I was working on the deck with. And my father had taken them on the boat when they were like 14, 15, 16, 17. And I still know all of them, you know, going through, like they were working for my father for years. Like when I was a kid, like when I used to go with my father to the boat, like I used to see them there, like Lewis, Ricardo, Sean, all of them. I used to go and mess around with them. And then I started working at sea and working alongside them and knowing like, my father had done that for them. And then me seeing like what it, where I was taking these young men and taking them through a process and being that grounded, strong male figure, which a lot of them don't have. Um, like I had this like weep this emotion that came over me and I had to like hold, hold it back as though I was just sharing. And I was just like, it was a good reflection to, to experience that. So that's what I'm currently doing is doing the volunteering and the TRE online. And like, uh, everybody can find me on my Instagram at uh, Dan Depao. So that's D-A-N-D-E-P-A-O. And um, by the end of this or when this podcast comes out, I, sh- I will have my website up and running. I see what you did there. You almost said should. <laughs> I, 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 I saw it. I saw the shh. Uh, there's a there's a movie called there's a movie called White Squall. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, you have to check it out. It's it's an older movie. It's from the 90s. Jeff Bridges is the star of the movie, but it's it's a true story about a ship called the Albatross. And Jeff Bridges is a he's the skipper of the of the ship, and he takes a group of like 12 boys out to sea. And it's it's set in the 1950s, and it's it's like a year's worth of of learning at sea. It is an, mm-hmm. It's a really, really good book. And when I ran the Building Men program as a principal, at the end of the school year, the eighth graders would watch that movie. And there was a, a, a gigantic bell that I had in the school. And the bell had the, the words um, uh, inscribed on it. It said, where we go one, we go all. And mm-hmm. at the end of their experience in building men, this is the first time I'm talking about it on the podcast at the end of their experience in building men, after they had gone through it and gone through all of the experiences together, they would climb this ladder in the front of the school and they would ring the bell. Like that was the ceremonial thing, which was part of the, the movie white school. So we watched the movie and then that was a part of the ceremonial journey that we had. I hadn't thought about that in, in quite a long time, but you had mentioned what your father had done for these young men was giving them an experiential journey they learn more through experience that they did sitting in a, in a damn classroom hearing someone talk about it and the other mm. thing that it did was it, it helped them understand learning by doing with the um, guidance of a, a male role model mentor for them as well so all the credit in the world that's so cool that you brought that up and it, it helped me go back on that journey in my own mind and, and reconnect with my past and building men so my last question to you daniel is what's one thing 
that people that are listening to this podcast, they can do immediately. They could turn off the podcast and they could start doing this thing immediately. And by doing this one thing, it can change the trajectory of their life. It can change how they show up for themselves, for other people in their life. Well, I'll end it off on the, on, on like a mantra or, or something I always end uh, messages to people with is, you know, love, passion, expansion. You know, you find that thing that you love, whatever that might be, like it's just going out and experiencing something and finding, uh, just experiencing anything, finding that thing that you love, become passionate about it. You know, you follow that passion and pa- passion turns into a purpose. And then from there, you expand on it and you keep on expanding on it. You start sharing it. And just having those three words a reminder to myself and to, to anybody that I always send a message like, you know, I, I wish you lots of love, passion, and expansion. And it's, it's constantly always been doing, Vic. I'm expanding on my own passions of being a fisherman going out to sea, his love for his family. You know, it's just taking those those things that I learned from him, all the good parts, healing the, the parts that he didn't know that he didn't, he didn't know that he didn't know. And then expanding on it and then teaching that to my son. And then from there, it's just a constant expansion down the, down the, um, the timeline of like, you know, of my family timeline. That is powerful. That's one of my favorite one things at the end of the building men podcast that I've, I've heard so far. So I appreciate that. For the audience, you can find us on Instagram, building.men. Our website is buildingmen.io. Please check out our two sponsors, FTR Apparel, the makers of all things building men and become stronger industries, the makers of handmade hammers, steel maces, and other badass equipment. This was an awesome journey, my man. I appreciate you. The uh, the bio navigator of his own journey, Daniel DePau. Thank you so much for being here. Building Men audience, go one step further than you thought you can go. We'll see you next time on Building Men. Thank you, Dennis.